yeah, we had this awesome project together. And so it's partly because I was in love and partly because I wanted to something that would earn some money. And for me, it's always like wrapped up these projects. It's, it's about doing things that I love with people I love. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Walden, and this is episode 164 with Bonnie Vanessa. My fascination with houseboats actually started when I saw a video tour of Bonnie's houseboat, The River Den, on the Exploring Alternatives YouTube channel, and I've been trying to get her on the show ever since. It turns out I had no idea that Bonnie was a talented entrepreneur, multiple houseboats, and unique Airbnb stays. In this interview, we go through the ins and outs of what it takes to actually build a floating house on the water, and also some insight into how Bonnie thinks about designing these homes and her philosophy on building. It's a really cool conversation, and I hope you stick around. I want to tell you about something that I think will be super helpful as you plan design, and build your tiny house. Tiny House Decisions is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It comes in three different packages to help you on your unique tiny house journey. And if you're struggling to just figure out the systems for your tiny house, you know, like how you're going to heat it, how you're going to plumb it, you know, what construction technique are you going to use, like sips or stick framing or steel framing, Tiny House Decisions will take you through all these processes systematically and help you come up with a design that works for you. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions. For listeners of the show, you can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD to learn more and use the coupon code TINY at checkout for 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code TINY for 20% off. I am here with Bonnie Vanas. Bonnie is the daughter of a Quebecois log driver, and she grew up on the river, driving boats and living on islands. She is passionate about artistic building and designing dens. Her full-time job is taking care of her boats for your enjoyment and designing new spaces to mesmerize you. She can also be found working on a construction project of her own, an island meditation retreat. Bonnie Vanas, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Ethan. Thanks for being here. Um, this interview, I feel like, has been in the works for maybe years. Um, you're you're <laughs> hard to pin down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have very good cell phone reception at most of my locations. Yeah, so you're actually we're we're catching you in the airport because I guess yes. you have better cell reception there. So <laughs> I I really appreciate it, and I guess I want to jump right in. Um, there is a video tour of your houseboat, the River Den, that has been viewed over 3.8 million times. Um, I just want to start. Congratulations on that. I would like to say congratulations to Exploring Alternatives on that. That Matt and Danielle did an awesome job on the video and they have a great following of people. So really kudos to those guys. They have brought so much um, publicity to the boat. It's awesome. Yeah, that that they have. Mm -hmm. And they've actually, I'll link to an interview that I did with them on this show um, a couple of years ago now. But yeah, I agree. They are wonderful people and their their 
YouTube channel exploring alternatives is just a wealth of tiny house inspiration. Um, how has, how has that affected, has that affected you like having being that public or like being out there so much on the internet? Um, I'm sure that a lot of bookings have come through people seeing the video, but, um, also because of our success through Airbnb, which kind of, I guess, I'm not sure if it's really from the video. I'm sure it, it, it definitely helps. Um, but I think the video has been viewed like a lot around the world and not so much like mm -hmm. for people coming to visit this area of Canada, but I think it's inspired a lot of people. So that I'm really happy about. Yeah. I mean, as somebody who lives very close to a body of water, um, you know, I'm in Vermont, very near Lake Champlain. When I first saw the video, I was like, I want to build a houseboat and put it on Lake Champlain. Yeah. And then I found out that it, it wasn't that easy to do here from a legal perspective. And mm -hmm. also the lake freezes. And so, it, you know, it would be a seasonal thing. But enough about me. Um, <laughs> so I'm curious, you know. But just just a little side note yeah. on that. Actually, my boats are four season. They stay frozen in the ice. They're built oh. with... Um, special floaters that that can handle the um the impact of the ice and that are actually built for it so it's possible <laughs> that's so cool i agree it's possible uh logistically but it's more finding a yes. marina or a place that yes. will allow you to keep your boat in yes. through the winter you really have to be a pirate yeah <laughs> uh, there's there's not much infrastructure for um yeah, or like a framework in in most municipalities, rural rural municipalities. Anyway, there's you know there's marinas in bigger cities, but then you're living at a marina with uh, you know right a bunch of dock neighbors. It's not the best. So I'm I'm curious if you can take us back to before you built the River Den. Was this something that you did as an entrepreneurial project, like you knew you were going to rent it out, or was it something that you built thinking that that you were going to live in it full time? Well, I built it as an entrepreneurial project in part, but also just because I wanted to do something cool with the guy I was dating at the time who was like a, a full on pirate. He had built these crazy boats and I wanted to have a connection with him and I wanted us to do something together. So um, right around that time, I bought a, an island and I had started the construction of a meditation center and I knew I needed some extra revenue to pay for the construction project. So I had the idea of building a floating tiny home and I hired him and his crew and we designed and built this. Well, they really built it. I designed it with him, but yeah, we had this awesome project together. And so it was partly because I was in love and partly because I wanted to something that would earn some money. And for me, it's always like wrapped up these projects. It's, it's about doing things that I love with people I love. Nice. I like that so much. And the, the, the river den, I will link to the tour on the show notes page. It is, it actually like, it, it seems like it was made with such love. Like there are so many handcrafted details and kind of whimsical yeah. things about it that it, it just, it looks like it would be a really fun place to, to be with somebody that you love. Yeah. We have a really awesome guest book and it's so fun to go in and read all the notes of the people who are so inspired staying there. It's really something special. Nice. Well, um, maybe you could just tell us just some basics about the River Den. You know, like what, how big is it? How much did it cost to build? Um, you know, just some kind of basic stats. Sure. Yeah. So it's 33 feet long. It's a two story. There's a sleeping loft upstairs, which has a five foot ceiling. Mm -hmm. 
And it has some pretty cool designs to be able to move and be within the legal limits um, on the road. So there's like the roof drops down. There's all these little features so that we could have got, we, we were able to get it from the boat yard to the launch to get under the wires and everything. Yeah. So it has some pretty cool design features in that way. Yeah, it's 33 feet long, 10 feet wide. Uh, there's a rooftop deck. We actually just had the week calendar, this last week calendar was blocked off because we did a whole restructuring of the roof and added on a porch. So now there's a really big terrace upstairs. It's pretty cool. Nice. I don't actually know how much it costs to build, but I could tell you that the floats were $12,000 roughly. So there's wow. five custom built floats that are 30, I think they're 31 feet long. Okay. There are these special floats that are, they're built all over the place. Contractors have, um, have, have deals with the manufacturer, you know, to make them. So we had ours from a company that was in Quebec here and yeah, the floats were pretty expensive, but it's like the foundation of the house. So it's, right. it's all relative, right? Yeah, yeah, and so you are these the floats that you mentioned a little earlier that they they are designed to be frozen in the yes. ice. Yeah, so they're built. It's um there's foam and inside it's filled with foam and then the outside is ABS plastic, which is not actually enclosed. So there's they have the capacity to expand in the ice and water actually goes inside of them and it kind of stabilizes things. It it oh. holds things pretty steady in the water. Okay, yeah, I was I was wondering about that cuz I'm I'm the kind of person who can get a little motion sick on a, on a boat, you know, especially if it's really choppy. So, mm. so it sounds like this boat is maybe a little sturdier than, than like a boat that you'd go cruising around in. Yeah. I mean, when you're in the boat, it's pretty stable, but when you're walking onto the boat from the gangplank, the, all the weight is cantilevered. So then like when you're walking on and off, the boat moves quite a bit, but once you're on the boat, you're contained within you know, the balance point of it pretty much. Yep. So it's, yep. yeah, the center of gravity, you're close to it. So it doesn't move that much, but in the waves it moves and you get the feeling like I've been on the boat all week doing the renovation. And this morning I woke up in my bed, which is not in a boat. And I felt like I was still moving. So like, if you spend enough time on the water, you kind of have this feeling. It's like this kind of motion in your body gets used to it. And it's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've I've experienced that feeling before. I'm not. I've I've long time ago. I was really into surfing, and I remember mm -hmm. like if I did a lot of surfing in a day that mm -hmm. night, you know, you're lying in bed mm -hmm. and you feel like mm -hmm. you're lying on that surfboard in the ocean, like bobbing <laughs> up and down. Yeah. I love it. It's such a nice rhythm. Yeah. What What are some other? So you you've you've shared that the pontoons are very expensive, and that's. You know, people who are building a tiny house on wheels kind of also have it in their head. Okay, my trailer, my special tiny yeah. house trailer is going to be really expensive. What are some other considerations that you would share? Maybe some advice that if you could go back in time and, and give yourself advice on, you know, what are some things to look out for? What are some considerations if you're thinking about building a houseboat? I guess like you were saying about finding a place to put it. It's actually really easy to build. It's just like building a little tiny house on a on a floating deck. It's like just to build it on a barge, a dock, whatever. So it's like you build this like this really kick-ass barge and then you just build a cabin on it. And you run a wire, you put a motor mount and then you have a motor and a helm inside and then it's a houseboat. So it's really 
it's very similar to to building a tiny house. Like you have all the same considerations. Like you need proper flashing, mm-hmm. you know, proper roof, proper siding, windows, doors. It's kind of pretty straightforward. Is there any like special upkeep that's required? I would imagine that being literally on the water, things like the siding and the flooring, they have to be able to get wet. Not really, actually. I mean, the siding, it, the siding doesn't really get wet from the water mm-hmm. that it's sitting on, from the body water, which is the river. It, I mean, it gets rained on like a regular house, but um, there's no special, no, it's, I, I spent the winter down south this year and I actually bought a houseboat and, uh, sorry, a sailboat. And I lived on the boat for a little while and I got to know like saltwater vessels a bit mm-hmm. and all this fiberglass and like special boat stuff. It's, in salt water, there's a lot of things to consider with having a boat. Yeah. But in fresh water, it's it's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's good to hear. Yeah, I highly recommend it. There's no property tax on the water. That's that's pretty awesome too. And now you've said that you kind of have to be like a pirate. So, you know, any tips on on finding that place to park? Well, Okay, so in the beginning, I had my boats parked in a village. And for three years, I was able to stay until I guess there was just too many complaints of mm-hmm. um, et cetera. I'm not even sure what they were, but I was asked to leave. And I ended up going to the Supreme Court because there was no neighbor that owned the adjacent land. Mm. It was the municipality who owned it and it was a park. It was like a gray area. So we finally ended up going to court and uh, figuring out that indeed I did have to leave. So I, I did leave, but sometimes you just have to like just start and 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 then like ask questions later. I wouldn't recommend doing this in a major city, but if it's in a small town and you know the neighbors and you just have to like feel it out. And and then when I had to move, I ended up just going door to door pretty much with people who lived on the river and asking them if I could rent a place. And I finally found someone who rented me a spot. Nice. Nice. So you're so you're renting a spot now. You have a second houseboat now, the Nelly. Are they? I, I actually have um, the second houseboat is the River Zen. Oh, okay. and Nelly is the third houseboat. Oh, okay. And then there's another one actually it's called the Dragon. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you're like a houseboat, like you've got an empire, <laughs> a fleet, <laughs> a fleet. Okay, that's yeah, that's a more. And I also have a team of people. I have I have a group of people I work with now. We all work together and share the responsibilities and share the income and share the lifestyle. It's pretty cool. That's yeah. Super cool. I love, I've, I've spoken to, a, um, I don't know if you, you've ever met her, Christy Wolf. She also, she's got the, I think the most favorited Airbnb in, in the world. It's a tree house in Hawaii. And she also has the Idaho potato house. She does like interesting unique stays on Airbnb. And it sounds like you're, you kind of are doing something similar, but with your own, with your own spin. I don't know her, but, um, I was very inspired by, um, I think her name was Kitty and Michael. Uh, These guys have the mushroom dome in California in the Redwood forest. Okay. And their place used to be the most popular Airbnb. It might still be actually. Okay. And I guess it was about six or seven years ago. I was going for a trip on the West Coast and I there was one day they had available in their calendar and I booked it and I arranged my whole trip, my whole road trip around the one day that the Mushroom Dome was available. Uh-huh. And I stayed there 
and was completely inspired. And I read the guest book and I saw that everyone who stayed there was just as inspired as me. And that planted the seed for the River Den. Two years later, I built the boat. Nice. Nice. And so the River Den is or was the first one. Yes. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Tiny House Decisions, my signature guide and the resource that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. It starts with the big decisions, which is, you know, should you build a tiny house yourself or with help? Um, is a is a pre-built shell a good idea? Is a house on wheels better than on the ground and what works better for you? Deciding on the overall size, deciding on whether you should use custom plans or pre-made plans, different types of trailers and more. Uh, then in, the, in part two, we get into the system. So heat, water, showers, hot water, toilets, electrical, refrigeration, ventilation. And we're only two thirds of the way through the book at this point. From systems, we go into construction decisions, talking about nails versus screws, SIPs versus stick framed versus advanced framing versus metal framing. Uh, we talk about how to construct a subfloor, sheathing, roofing materials, insulation, windows, flooring, kitchen. I know I'm just reading off the table of contents, but I just want to give you a sense of how comprehensive Tiny House Decisions is. Uh, it's a total of 170 pages. It contains tons of full-color drawings, diagrams, and resources. And it really is the guide that I wish I had when I was building my tiny house. Right now, I'm offering 20% off any package of Tiny House Decisions using the coupon code TINY when you head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. That's THD for Tiny House Decisions. Again, that's coupon code TINY when you check out at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Is there anything... Um that you've changed along the way, like kind of learnings from the first one, like, okay, we're not going to do X on the, on the river Zen. We're going to change this and make it easier for us. Yes. So building floaters, we've learned how to make our own floats, these, oh. these floats that are so expensive. So on the Zen, which was the second boat, I thought there would be enough flotation with the base that it had originally because I bought one of Denis which is my former partner the pirate guy I bought one of his small house boats which was just a day tripper boat and I hauled it out and rebuilt a small four season cabin on it called the river's end and I really thought that the base that it had was going to be good enough so anyway when we went to launch it in the water the the center of gravity was so high in the middle because we added extra floats in between the existing floats. Like we added some foam in between, which really brought it high up and it was super tippy. And we ended up taking it out right away. <laughs> I thought it might even flip over. It oh was a gosh. really, really scary moment. I was like, what have I done? Like this whole investment is potentially going in the drink, literally. Yikes. So we hauled it out and it sat in my driveway for like three weeks. And then finally my good friend Andrew took it upon him like he took the project on to figure out how we're going to how we're going to solve this problem and mm -hmm. he built these outriggers and yeah so we basically built some new floats for the first time and then we put it back in the water everything worked really well so yeah um i guess like having the base larger than the boat itself mm -hmm. is a really important thing the higher you go the wider you want the base to be okay and for the nelly we um we did another pilot project of a new design for floats and it's working so well. So the base of the Nelly was 
originally what we called the Luigi boat because I bought this older houseboat, which was one of Denise's first boats that he built. Mm-hmm. I bought it from the guys who owned a pizzeria called Luigi's. <laughs> and I had it on the river just as my own little floating house. And then a couple of years ago, I rebuilt the roof and it was still just mine. And then last summer, when once the COVID travel ban lifted, my places were booked so solid that I was like, okay, I have to put my personal boat on Airbnb. I just can't say no. Like people were asking yep. and the money was so good. It was like, okay, fine. So I put the Nelly on Airbnb and it was a super hit. And last fall, we decided we were going to build, start building a new houseboat, but we decided we'll wait a bit. We'll just really tighten up all the ones we have. And so we decided to pull the Nelly out and totally give her like a revamp of the base and rebuild the entire cabin on top. Wow. And this is where we, we practiced for the first time building these new floats, which are actually like 55 gallon barrels, like olive barrels, these, those plastic barrels you you see often people use for docks. Mm -hmm. We cut them in half and we did some magic and filled with foam and different bags and like a sealed top and ice and water shield and this interesting framing. And so now the Nelly is lined on both catwalks, which are like the bridges that go around the boat. Uh They're lined with these barrels, these half barrel system and super stable now. And uh, I think we're going to build the next houseboat um, with only this. Nice. You're, you're reusing something, which is so cool. Yeah. We like to use garbage or whatever we have. We have really creative. It's pretty cool. Is um, now is this, half barrel thing something that like people can learn more about if they wanted to try to build it themselves i don't know this Maybe is like a, a secret. proprietary <laughs> secret process that you've come up with yeah they'll come if they come and stay on the nelly then i'll give them a real tour of the insides of the, the barrel system okay they'll come stay on the nelly they can bring a snorkel mask and they can just yeah, exactly. dive down underneath and, and check it yes. out. <laughs> It'll be part of our feral ventures. We, we're starting a tour company. We started it last year. Feral uh, bringing ventures? people out on adventures. Yeah, okay. feral ventures. Love it. Um, mm-hmm. What are the walls in the Nelly? They look, I love the texture of them. Right, yeah. It's actually acrylic tile glue. So like thin set that you would use for, for gluing tiles to the floor. Yep. We use that on the wall. So we use a darker one in the back. So just plywood, three-eighths plywood. Mm-hmm. And then one coat of just a gray, regular, like uncolored, just gray acrylic tile glue. And then once it sets up a bit, we just like really burnish it with the trowel. And then we put a lighter, we put a white on top. Uh-huh. And then again, you got to work it. Andrew. My business partner is an amazing mud guy. He's amazing with uh, any kind of plaster. Okay. It's like his, his real like uh, line of work, you know, before, yep. before yep. he joined the, the fleet. And so I'm learning so much from him and I'm really excited about being able to do this new application and in the next creations. It's, yeah. It's such a beautiful vibe in there. I agree. Yeah, it really, it's like got a warm kind of almost earthen wall feel mm-hmm. to it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then just paired with the, then all the, looks like a lot of reclaimed wood. It just, they go really yeah. nicely together. Yeah. Uh, are you working? So it sounds like you are always working on the next, the next project. Um, is there anything you're working on right now that you can share with us? Yeah. So for the last few years, I've been um, making little sketches of a Fox building that I thought might go on land and then I thought might go on, on the river. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at buying some, some floats last year and decided against it. And I, so it's just like waiting. It's, it's like a, a long, um, 
gestation period. Okay. But the fox is um is coming closer and closer. And I'm actually on my way down right now to meet up with a friend who has a lot of experience building really interesting things at Burning Man Festival. And he oh. also has a lot of experience building tree houses. So my friend in Nashville and I have invited this gentleman to come meet with us in hopes of, of doing a partnership and doing a pilot project and building a fox on a hillside and seeing what develops after that. So it might not be about, we'll see, it might, it might be a treehouse, the nice. next project, nice. but it's going to be shaped like a fox. Uh, well, I cannot wait to see it. Um, just looking at the other, the other buildings that you've, you've created, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Thank you. So these houseboats that you have are set up as rentals, but do you think that it would be, you know, if assuming somebody could find a place to put one, would it be reasonable to live in, in one of these type of structures full time? I think if you were like a pretty accomplished yogi <laughs> and a very, very easygoing person, yes. But for the most part, I think our habitual tendencies of wanting a lot of luxuries um, drives us uh-huh. so much that uh-huh. it might be really hard for most people to to do that. I mean, somebody who already wants to live in a tiny house is... Yeah, it's the know, same thing. Is you willing have to, to... to forego... Yeah, sure. Then it's the same thing, but you have the freedom of being on the water and being able to move around easily or turn your boat around to catch the sunset. It's yep. cool. Yeah, yep. no, it, it's very, uh, it's very much like a tiny house. Yeah. The only consideration is the gray water system, which tiny houses, when they're parked on land, it's pretty easy for the water just to go outside. Whereas on a houseboat, you would need to have a holding tank or you'd need to be filtering your water, which is a really interesting idea because we have been chatting, Andrew and I have been chatting about making a greenhouse, a floating greenhouse water treatment thing. So mm. basically the gray water passes through plants and by the time it comes out, it's clean and it can then go back into the river. Yeah. What's what, possible? Actually, that's, that's a great question because you are on the river. So what, what do you do with your gray water currently? And also, you know, what are the toilets in the house? Are they, are they compost toilets or how do you handle Yeah, they're compost dry toilets. So in the beginning, uh, when I started Airbnb being the river den, I invested in a super expensive composting toilet. It was like this, you know, super nice model called the separate and it works really well, but basically it's just like having a dry composting toilet with like, it's, um, in the sense you pee and poo in different areas. Yep. That's when I say dry, that's what it is. So uh, it basically like you just pee in one part, number two, and all the toilet paper goes in another part. So it's it's really like the most basic idea, you know, when it comes to plumbing. And it works really well. And we still have the separate on the river den. But on the other boats, we just have two a two-bucket system. Okay. So pee in one, and then number two in the other one with sawdust. And we bury the the compost, the the solids in uh-huh. the woods. And the pee, we go and we put it in the woods as well. Okay. So you just, it's just kind of a manual process. And now, do you ask the yeah. guests, do the guests have to do that or do you, do you take care of that? For no, them? that's, that's why we get paid the big bucks. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We, we deal with yep. your pee and poo. Exactly. <laughs> but on the Nelly, um, we have like a, a dry t- composting toilet set up in uh-huh. the forest because the, the boat is, is parked stationary on land. Okay. So you just go off, off the boat to use the bathroom. Got it. So these boats all have a little, little outboard motors attached to them. 
do you ever i guess i'm guessing the only time you you drive them or or move them on the water is when you're launching them and then bringing them to where you're gonna dock them right? yeah so the river den has been parked ever since we moved to there which uh-huh. is about three years ago and then nelly we're we're gonna be driving that one a little more because we won't leave her parked at at nelly's nook all winter we bring okay. her back in the fall so um so when that when the ice freezes people can still come rent it yep. but they can park right beside her so right now that for the nelly we have an adventure option well it, it's it's not an option it's an adventure package so you have to get there by a boat. You can either rent a canoe or you can bring your own boat or canoe, or we can give you a ferry ride on our pontoon boat to get to the Nelly because it's only accessible by boat. Cool. Yeah. That, that really adds a lot. I'm sure that makes it feel more remote, more kind of special. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like there's no cell phone service too. So you really, there actually is. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, one thing that I like to ask all of my guests, I know that you you have a plane to catch soon. Um, what are two or three resources? So this could be like books or YouTube channels or anything, you know, that has inspired you that you would like to share with our listeners. It could be related to building houseboats or tiny houses or or not. As I was saying before, it's about the people you're working with. And so that's one aspect of just like looking. So I used to work in a community organization and one of the guys on the committee, he brought this permaculture format for uh, some kind of a business meeting. And he uh-huh. said, basically, you look what what's there, you look at what's there available, and then you just start with that. So mm-hmm. look at who's in your circle and what the resources are and the information, and then just you see where, you know, you can work with that. And uh, so I think just like you know, networking skills and communicating is, is like a big part. And this, mm-hmm. I guess, applies to any kind of entre- enterprise. Yep. And another thing is when you're doing something new like this, um, not many people are going to hold this idea that's so precious to you. Not many people are going to be able to, to really like support that in the, in the, the embryonic stage. So mm-hmm. I would just recommend like, you know, you choose people that you, you really trust with your precious ideas and, and you share with that because you need to be able to let the vision grow before something is built and it needs to have time and you need to bounce things off of people mm. and see where it's going to take shape. Yeah. So that's uh that's one recommendation I have for anyone doing anything that's a little bit outside the box is, um, is yeah, like hold it close and like leave it time to gestate. And when it's ready, then you feel confident to, to own it and to say, well, this is what I'm doing. And and when people say, well, how are you going to do that? It's like, it's okay. You don't have to necessarily answer the question, but you know, you feel a little stronger. The thing is, is strong enough to, to, to meet the resistance. Nice. I I love that advice. Any, anything else before we go? No, I, I really hope more people build houseboats and spend more time in nature. Yeah, I think it's it's something that we all need. And I'm really happy to continue offering this service to people. It's a, it's a, a huge asked for service. So that's about it, I guess. Awesome. Well, you've you've reignited my desire to build a houseboat. So <laughs> great. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it'll happen, but um, I keep looking out at that lake being like, man, what a great place for a houseboat. So I'm going to look around again. <laughs> good, good. Keep in touch. 
Awesome. Well, uh, Bonnie Vaness, thank you so much for being a guest on the show and uh, safe travels today. Thanks for connecting with us. All right. Take care, Ethan. Bye. Thank you so much to Bonnie Vaness for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes, including photos of the River Den, the River Zen, and Bonnie's other houseboats at thetinyhouse.net slash 164. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 164. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.